Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and also to teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Nice comeback! We started today deep in the hole. Sell, 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 sell. After an escalation of the newly revived trade war with China. This time, the Chinese are threatening to label some of our best companies as unreliable, meaning they won't be able to sell in the People's Republic. Then we got some miserable retail sales numbers that weren't just bad. They were grapes of wrath bad. But just when the decline looked like it would turn into a rout, we got a good Michigan sentiment index number, and the buyers came right back. Plus, all sorts of companies keep reporting and telling us that April was much better than March, which bodes well for May. And that's how the Dow closed up 60 points. S&P advanced 0.39%. The Nasdaq actually gained 0.79%. It was down so badly at the beginning of the day. What a turn. Now, with that in mind, what's on tap for next week? Well, first, I'm dreading that we'll come in on Monday and hear about an escalation in the president's new containment strategy against China, kind of like 47 against the Soviets. The market got hit earlier today because we're getting tough on Huawei the huge Chinese telco company that the White House views as an unofficial arm of the Communist Party. So the administration has it in for Huawei. There's a legitimate case that they're using their networking equipment, and and, and if we give it to them, it is a security risk, okay? And and, uh, President Trump wants to cut them off from America's best technology. Very reasonable. It's something he he did before, back at the height of the trade war. Makes sense. Regular viewers know I think we've been way too easy on China for way too long. And that's why I was more supportive of the original trade war than anyone else in the business media. And I still think it's an important thing to take a hard line against Huawei. But there are two problems with that approach right now. It's two problems. First, a Chinese apparatchik leaked that several American tech companies, including Cisco, they don't have much business in China, don't worry, Qualcomm, Intel, a lot of business, and Apple, Apple, might be investigated and end up on the unreliables list. Yeah, that's right. How unreliable is this, right? I mean, this is like... Yeah, on the unreliable list. Same with Boeing. Okay, some think that, but I don't. Uh, Which needs every customer it can get. China is this time not kidding around. Second, the timing is all wrong. It's one thing to start a trade war with China when you got uh, 4% unemployment and booming economy. It's another thing entirely to start a trade war when we're on the precipice of the Second Great Depression. 30, maybe even 40 million people might be out of work thanks to the pandemic. Not us, the pandemic. You know who started a trade war going into a depression, don't you? Herbert Hoover. Good rule of thumb. Never take your cue from Herbert Hoover on economic policy. Go Google the Smoot-Hawley, that's S-M-O-O-T, Smoot-Hawley tariff. It was a disaster. You know, they named cities after Hoover. They called them Hoovervilles. No builder turned president wants that to be his legacy. No need to repeat that. 
What we need is a de-escalation. The president's promising that we'll have a vaccine and a huge year for the economy in 2021. I've heard him say this many times. Hey, you know what? It's going to be really big next year. Bingo! We crack down on the Chinese then. Right now, though, things are looking too much like the 1930s for my taste. And I always felt that if I ever got in, a, in any sort of position of influence and I saw that this stuff happened, and I would just shout it from the rooftops. I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Now, that said, if we get nothing new in the China front, then we actually rally into, Monday, into Tuesday because everybody's worried about the same thing I am. Tuesday, brick-and-mortar earnings season starts off with a bang when we hear from two essential retailers, essential meaning they're allowed to be open, Home Depot and Walmart. Given that they've been allowed to stay open, I'm expecting great numbers. Remember, they wiped out all the rest of the competition by by closing them, hence PPP. Hence, terrible unemployment. Hence, hence, hence. Maybe uh, we're even going to get some positive forecasts from these guys because the spring weather. I'm betting uh, Walmart will deliver fabulous digital growth. Maybe even as up to 35, 40 percent. Home Depot should be talking about a strong spring, which, remember, is their Christmas. However, we also hear from non-essential retailer Kohl's. We're not going to like what they have to say. Uh, not only has Kohl's had to shut down its stores, but the Wall Street Journal just reported that FedEx has capped service to these guys. Given that Kohl's uh, is handling, uh, used to handle Amazon's in-person returns when uh, they were open. Losing that preferred FedEx status is a problem. Of course, they're finally reopening the stores, which is good news. And I'm sure they'll talk about pent-up demand. And I'm sure there'll be buyers coming in. And I'm sure that it's going to rally. And there'll be some sort of short squeeze. And you know what? Sell. Okay? That's your opportunity. Wednesday, we got two more essential chains. And again, that means that they're allowed to stay open while they're crushing small to mid-sized businesses. Uh, and these are Target lows. We know Target's crushing it with their online business. I'm urging you not to focus on the margins. People who did last time sold it 14 points ago. As for lows, we need to keep hearing about Marv Ellison's improvements in their digital division. Maybe a great start to their gardening season, which they used to own, by the way. And that'd be enough for the stock to work. After the close, take two interactive reports. And this video, this video game maker... It's now a core holding of my charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. You sure heard my call yesterday. It was a hoot. I want to know how well their NBA 2K franchise does without the NBA. Is the business still hot in China? What's the strange deal with the NFL all about? CEO Strauss Zelnick was not happy with his last quarter, and I'm betting he won't be disappointed twice in a row. This is a great time for video games, by the way. Not that you need me to say that. By the way, this this uh, uh, let's just say every single every single part of the video uh, gaming universe, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Nintendo, uh, whether it's Microsoft, it just doesn't matter. It's hot. Speaking of charitable trust names, we get results from TJX, talk about not hot, on Thursday morning. Now, I doubt we'll like the headline numbers as their stores have been closed. Non-essential. But TJX is opening up all around the country now with so many department stores going under, they'll be able to snap up all sorts of great merchandise for next to nothing. Imagine going and getting some Neiman, like a Neiman $3,000 suit for like $40. TJX is an off-price chain, which means they're like vultures of retail. And right now, they got a lot of carcasses to pick clean. I think it's a buy. I miss shopping there, by the way. My, well, I'm not downtown anymore. Then there's Best Buy. I expect good things. How many other electronic stores were deemed essential? When I talk about how there's only a handful of chains left after the pandemic, assuming the government does nothing else, I'm betting Best Buy is one of the survivors. Could be up eight, unless they somehow they give you a bad call. Next up is a tar- uh, very tricky one, Medtronic. Quandary here. So many surgeries are being postponed, so this might not be their quarter. Bizarrely, COVID-19 is causing a health care bear market. No surgeries. I'm concerned, though. 
I do like it, the weakness. Here's one that's been delivering endlessly. It's called Hormel, you know, spam. I'm optimistic. But I do worry that they, because they're conservative, they say that what they have was a lot of COVID stockpiling. And now that that's passed, business might not be as strong. That would be suboptimal. After the close, we hear from NVIDIA, whom I've been posting all day on my Twitter file, and Splunk. NVIDIA may be the best stock in this market, save Shopify. It's got the best data center chips, the best graphics chips, and some awesome new inference chips that understand verbal commands like an actual human. Smarter than humans and also more sensitive. CEO Jensen Wong is a visionary. Uh, what's not to like? Well, maybe that the stock fell $5 at the opening of the China trade war, then did a U turn and finished up 18 for the day. As for Splunk, nicely off its highs. Datalytic play tends to get hit when it reports because people don't understand it. And then they sift through it the next day. They come back when they buy it down eight, it finishes up three. Friday's easy. One good, two not so good. I adore Alibaba, the only Chinese stock I'm recommending on the show. Some people want me to recommend Baidu on Monday. I'm not doing that because of the containment strategy. Yes, by Mr. X, George Kennan. Um, this is uh, the time for Alibaba. I mean, look, they're, they're at home, too. They got nothing to do. Then, well, they go to work and then they come home. Then there's deer. Not so good. We keep hearing that farmers are hurting. And when they're hurting, well, they're not buying new equipment. Finally, we got Foot Locker. It's a mall-based retailer, and therefore it's roadkill. What else is there to say? Bottom line, as unemployment keeps rising, I'm betting we'll get more stimulus, more bonds bought, more money fleeing away from the market's losers and into the winners, like the Kramer COVID-19 Index. That's what works unless we have a full-blown trade war with China, in which case all bets are off, even as I sure would have favored it before COVID decimated the U.S. economy. All right, let's go to Spencer in Florida. Spencer. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah. Uh, With a Taiwan semiconductor recently coming out and announcing the construction of a $12 billion plant in uh, Arizona. Yes, and the price point coming down a little bit today. Do you think it's a good time to get in or wait for another I like back? Taiwan Semi very much. That is the best builder. They understand how to build better than anyone. This is a foundry. A lot of people were saying that, hey, maybe it's Intel that could build foundries. Intel don't build foundries. No. Taiwan Semi does. I like it. And I congratulate them for, buy, for building one in the right country. John in Pennsylvania. John. Jim, booyah. Booyah. Hey, thank you. I want to say thank you. You've made me a wealthy man. Thank there you, you go. I like that. Thank you. Take that. Yeah, to, well, Jimmy have- Chill doesn't fight the detractors anymore, just blocks them, but I like to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you've helped me so much. Anyway, my question is about Microsoft. Maybe you've heard of them. Okay. The top I brought them public. Me, the team... Xbox and a dominance in revenue in 360 and Windows, but they're getting expensive with the PE above 30. Do you think they will split? And if so, at what price do you think they will? No, they're not interested in splitting. Remember, let's say when we're talking about splitting, do we really create value? Okay, we got a pencil, right? See this? You know, we got this new jib thing because not allowed to have any people working here anymore because of COVID. And you see, so you have one, right? So then we split it. Do you have like a lot more value? I don't think so. There you go. Joe in Washington. Joe. Hey, Jimmy Chill. How you doing today? Oh, man. Couldn't be better. Thank you for asking the chill man. What's going on? Uh, not much. I just want to say thanks for taking my call. And uh, I want to thank your Eagles for allowing Andy Reid to get to Kansas City. It's great for, uh, great for the Chiefs. So. Got a question about uh, the Kramer family favorite, Okta. Um, oh, my God, Okta? Can you yeah, believe that? That thing is a horse, isn't it? 
Todd McKinnon, who looks like he's 20, actually is over 50. Now, Todd, please don't take this personally. Todd, don't listen. But, Todd, your stock is up 57%. It went up another $4 today. You know I've been recommending your stock. This is personally addressing Todd, of course. I've been recommending your stock forever. But, Todd, I'm going to take a pause here. I got to let it come in. I got to let it come in. And it's Kramer family favorite because my daughter and I went there. That's why I called that. Not just because it's one of the greatest stocks of the decade. All right. More money fleeing away from the markets, losers. All right. Hey, you know what? People say the market's expensive. Have you looked at like Delta? Yeah. Tell me about it. But if we have a full-blown trade war with China, all bets have to be off. All made money tonight. A stock like Beyond Meat is losing money, and it's hurt by the lack of food service business. So why the heck is it so strong? I'm going to give you my take. Then, live sports are mostly gone, but big betting is big business. I'm talking to the CEO of DraftKings after today's 15% move, and that's find out what the hell's that about. You know what I got to tell you? They had Davey Day, Davey Day trade on before me on, Missa, on Missy's show. Well, we got the DraftKings guy. And as business rushed online following uh, stay-at-home orders, Wix saw a huge surge in demand. I'm going to talk with the CEO. Stay okay. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. value stocks in this bizarre new world. What are you supposed to pay for something like uh, Beyond Meat? Okay, Beyond Meat. What do you pay for this? That's losing a lot of money, right? It's hurt by all the restaurant closures and food service business. Yet its stock is on fire. How is, how is this possible? Here's the thing. There are good reasons for Beyond Meat's incredible outperformance, but they're not the kind of reasons that fly with most portfolio managers. First, this is a zeitgeist stock. Right now, Beyond Meat's competitors, the meat processors, are doing things that are downright repulsive. Not just to vegetarians anymore, but to anyone. The meatpacking business is pretty gross in the best of times. And now all these plants keep turning into coronavirus hotspots. Who wants to eat something that's been handled by someone with COVID? How long does it even last on chicken or pork, beef? I don't know. Like as much as it does on here, or maybe the boxes from Amazon? I don't know. I, nobody wants to be asking that kind of question, though, when they sit down for dinner. Hey, where's Upton Sinclair when we need him? Suddenly, Beyond Meat's plant-based alternatives seem a lot more enticing. Amazingly, CEO Ethan Brown is taking advantage of the disarray of meat companies like Tyson by actually cutting prices, incurring more short-term losses in order to take market share. That shows an amazing level of confidence in the product. He believes that if people try it, they'll like the taste like I do, and he is going to drive down the cost. He's going to win them both And by the way, everyone who's so worried about the label, there's so much stuff in it. It's getting better and better and better. Okay, and no, no uh, GMO either. 
Now, some portfolio managers might think that the stock's going up because there's a deal in the works with Starbucks to expand beyond their current joint venture in China. Maybe. Or maybe they think they've got something cooking with McDonald's beyond their trial run in Canada. Could be. But I don't think that's why it's going on. The real reason beyond meat strength, what's behind it? The stock's a favorite of the Robinhood crowd, the 10 million mostly younger investors who don't just own index funds and have got their eyes on the future, eyes on the prize. And as far as they're concerned, the future's never been brighter than these plant-based meat alternatives. I always say it's an ethos, not a stock. It's an ethos. Think bigger than yourself, for heaven's sake. Every once in a while, stop being trapped by the spreadsheet. Or think of it like this. This is a Rothko, not a Rembrandt. That's why so many money managers miss this one. They don't want subjective parameters. They want hard and fast numbers. But Beyond Meat doesn't give you that. It's the Tesla of the food group, a total cult stock, if you you want it to go that way. It's nevertheless a huge winner. Of course, younger investors love Tesla, too, and why not? Sure, Elon Musk can be eccentric. He calls out his stock for being too expensive. Not great. He can be hot-tempered rather than negotiate with the Alameda County unelected official who insisted his factories stay closed. He fired off the tweet storm, pretty much daring the authorities to arrest him. I probably didn't do himself any favors there. I know there are analysts who believe Tesla will have a big profit next year. I, I, I don't care. I, I love the company, but that's not why you own the stock. You own it because Tesla's taken over the world, because the future belongs to electric cars, and they've got the only real good ones. They don't have to advertise. They're that good. The other guys have to spend fortunes to advertise. That's why the stock's a winner. Picasso, not Polaroid. Same goes for Shopify, the e-commerce enabler. Here's a company that just did a one point, did $1.3 billion secondary uh, last week at $700. And now it's at 767 <laughs> Snap that one up. It just keeps roaring despite the delusion because e-commerce is the only kind of commerce that's working here. And Shopify makes it much easier for smaller operators to sell things online. Yeah, the ones that have been wiped out by the government. We also hear from Wix later. They do it too. These stocks cannot be valued by traditional metrics. Like Tesla, they're taking a massive amount of market share. And you have to judge them by the scale of the operator. Opportunity, postmodern versus post office. Unlike so many other grizzled veterans, I don't begrudge any of these choices. Beyond Meat, Tesla, Shopify, they're disruptive companies run by brilliant people. You don't buy them for the sales or for the earnings. You buy them because they might be the next Netflix or the next Amazon. That's good enough for me. Don't get me wrong. You can't invest like this with your whole portfolio. You got to stay diversified. Own some modern art, especially you young people watching. Or for the realists, cult stocks are only one piece of the pie. But it's a piece that's worth having, especially if you are a younger investor who can afford to take some risk. Mitch in New York. Mitch. Hi, how are you, Mr. Kramer? Big mm-hmm. booyah from Queens, New York. Hope you and your family are well. I'm good. My wife's from 167th Street. So what's going on? Very good. Okay. So with Starwood uh, Property Trust trading about half its value between uh, January and February, and with the company stating a couple of months ago that they have 800 to $870 million in reserve in cash, would you recommend increasing position or even purchasing shares of the company? I like Barry uh, certainly very much. But I also uh, am hard-nosed about a stock that yields 16%. What that has historically said is that yield will not stand. Now, Barry may be the sole exception to that rule, and it would be the sole, uh, because he's that good. Uh, But uh, I need to hear him come on the show and say, my board says this is a valid distribution, and we're going to pay it. Then I'm interested. Hey, let's go to John in Kentucky. John. Hey, Jim, hey, big fan, man. Question in regards to tech screwdowns. What do you think the short-term impact will have on their stock now that their uh, dividends are suspended, second quarter, second quarter earnings coming out, rise of beef prices, and limited uh, restaurant capacity? 
Right, which one? Did anyone hear that? Oh, Texas Roadhouse? Hey, they, they, since the opening, they've had some good numbers. Now, it's obviously very difficult. You have to remodel all, everything in the restaurant business. But they're a survivor. Does that mean they're a thriver? I don't know. I'm in the restaurant business. Let's just say they're a survivor. All right. Valuing stocks in this world is no easy task. But some of these stocks, you got to think of them as maybe Matisse and Cezanne. You got me? All right. You got to stay diversified. Now, much more mad money ahead, including my exclusive with DraftKings. Talk about Oh, my God. Talk about postmodern art. As pro sports return around the world, how is the company positioning itself? And do you want to bet on the uh, NASCAR this weekend? Well, you know where to go. Then, with demand for websites through the roof, can the move higher in Wix continue? See that thing? I got the CEO, and he's a wild man. And how two former Intel employees are fighting America's 150 million ton single-use plastic addiction. Maybe they can solve the floating islands. Stay with All right, here's the puzzle. How the heck does a fantasy st- a sports stock turn into one of the best performing stocks in the market right now at a time when sports are canceled? Three weeks ago, DraftKings came public via a very complicated triple merger transaction that turned the company to a digital gaming powerhouse. Stock ran up into the deal, and it's run even harder since the closing. Wow, a company it combined with it started at like about 12 bucks at the end of March, and now it's at 29. Uh, that includes, of course, the huge run from today. Four points. So what is driving this one? Okay, the new DraftKings just reported its first quarter as a public company, and the results were pretty solid. Decent revenue beat, small earnings missed, but even though most sports shut down in early March, management's confident commentary sent the stock surging. They're confident because DraftKings is no longer just a daily fantasy sports platform. No, no. With a digital sports betting ticker, it's much bigger than that. It's become a full-blown online casino. It's the only U.S.-focused pure play on online gambling. The lack of sports obviously hurt them, but all the casino closures help. Plus, some sports are finally coming back. Hey, starting with NASCAR on Sunday, and the rest may not be far behind if we're lucky enough to get an early vaccine. Or if they figure out how to play contactless. All right, can this stock keep climbing? Let's take a closer look with Jason Robbins. He's the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of DraftKings. To get a better read on the quarter and his company's prospects, Mr. Robbins, congratulations and welcome back to Man Money. Thanks. Good to see you, Jim. Jason, I'm proud of you. And I saw you right at the Super Bowl, and I was so glad about the things that are happening. You're one of the good guys. But I have to admit, at that point, we were still thinking there'd be a lot of pro sports. If you were to tell me there were no pro sports, I would have said you would have lost a fortune and you'd have no revenues. But you're an inventive guy. Tell people what you did because the sales were quite good. Well, hard to believe you're right. We, it was only three months ago we saw each other. It feels like a, a, a lot longer oh. at this point. Um, you know, it's been interesting watching the team uh, pivot to just creating content and you know, I think also, as you noted, we're starting to see sports come back. The UFC uh, matchup was uh, the first fight, especially, was absolutely huge. Uh, really, really great day for NASCAR, as you mentioned, this weekend. The match is coming up where, you know, in addition to Tiger Phil, they have Peyton and Brady this year. And I think that'll be really good. We had really strong numbers on the NFL draft. And then people are playing things like esports and table tennis. We actually just added live streaming for table tennis so people can watch it now. Uh, while they're while they're betting on it. Well, let me, let me ask Jason. I mean, uh, Kyle Busch favored this weekend at Darlington. OK, but there's these guys, Sorensen, Timmy Hall. They're, they're 2000 to one shots. I mean, do people just say, you know what? I'm going to put five on it. 
I mean, you get those kinds of, 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 of gamblers. You know, some people like to take the long shots. Other people, their preference is to create big parlays. So they take, you know, maybe right. less long shots, but count on being right on making six, seven, eight picks correctly. So we've seen people, you know, approach it both ways, but there's definitely an audience that love to throw, throw a few bucks in and see if they can make, uh, you know, thousands or more. My friends who know esports know that there's fascination and great gambling and that it's actually a sport that engenders a lot of transactions. Are you seeing that? Well, esports was really small for us until, uh, you know, about two months ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, really, it was the only thing for a little while that uh, people were still playing. And, you know, some sports have started to come back, but esports is stuck. It's been a huge growth area over the last couple months for us. And, Hard to say what it'll look like once, you know, the the uh, the traditional sports are back. But I think a lot of people are finding it fun. And, you know, it's also a matter of just getting people to try something new. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting. We thought about, you know, how do we engage customers? And esports was something where we knew we had a great product. And if people just tried it, that they would like it. There was, a, you know, really good integration in a lot of cases with streaming and other things there. And, um, you know, it's a really solid product, I think, on the fantasy app. So, we were pretty excited to see that one grow. And uh, we've also been running these Madden simulations through a, a, a relationship with EA Sports, where uh, basically people can go and play fantasy games. And the game uh, is actually a simulated NFL games using uh, the Madden technology that EA Sports has. And uh, that's been a, a really popular one. Um, table tennis has really taken off. That's a, a sport that works contactless. So um, that didn't really slow down too much. And, you know, we're starting to see other things come back. Korean baseball has actually been really popular for us. And I think what it shows you is there's a lot of pent up demand for sports. People are hungry for sports to come back. They're sitting at home. They want sports. And hopefully we'll see some of our favorites, you know, uh, come back soon enough. You know, I was watching uh, the ESPN site on draft day and day before and day before I said, oh, my God, there's just endless articles about who's going to get drafted first. And then I realized I bet you it was prompted by DraftKings. I mean, you wanted knowledge so that you could bet on the DraftKings site. Well, I think the draft this year was, uh, you know, it's same same thing. It was kind of one of the only things going on. And we saw a huge growth in draft betting and, uh, you know, uh, engagement year over year in terms of number of, uh, of bettors. And I think that, uh, you know, a lot of it was centered around who's going to go, uh, you know, first for a particular team. So a lot of people were probably betting their favorite teams and who they were going to pick first. There was a lot of betting on QBs this year. Um, this great QB draft class. So, a lot of people betting on which uh, I think everybody kind of knew Burrow would go first. We could, didn't seem like we could give him right. uh, you know, short enough odds to get people to stop betting on him as the number one pick. So uh, that was one that uh, just everybody kind of went for. But once it got past him, it was interesting. And you know, a lot of people had Tua, but then others, you know, were betting on a variety of different. And there was also some crazy long shot bets. There was somebody who. Uh, bet, you know, like 350 bucks, I think it was, on Chase Young going to the 49ers. But it was this massive long shot. They would have made like over $100,000 if it hit. Um, so it was pretty interesting to look at the, the variety of things people were betting on. Well, you are too much fun. I, I have to ask one other question. Uh, you know that our friend Portnoy affiliated with with, uh, with <laughs> Penn Nat. You like being independent? Uh, you know, I, I, I got to admit, I am a fan of Penn. They're a big partner of ours, and Barstool's great. We know yeah. them quite well. Portnoy's hilarious. So, you know, I think they'll do great things together. And 
it's been funny watching it. I'm sure you've been watching his day trading things. Of I hope it's not it's real. Hysterical. I gotta believe it's not real. I think some people, I don't know. I mean, some of my friends have told me, is that real? And I, I'm like, I'm not 100% sure with him, but I <laughs> he's, think it's He's not turning real. it over like he's got these 400,000 to one bets he's making. But anyway, look, <laughs> I want to wish you the best of luck. You're one of the good guys. We stay with you all the time. Uh, and I just think you're having fun. And that's something that I don't see a lot of business people having right now. That is Jason Robbins. He's chairman and CEO of DraftKings, the symbol DKNG. You can see why the stock went up. He's fascinating and it's fascinating, but he's a businessman. Mad Money's back into the break. The April retail sales numbers we got today, they were stunning. They tell you everything you need to know about the consumer in the age of the coronavirus. Headline numbers down 16.4%. Consumer spending online was up 8.4%, though. See that divergence? Because the Internet is the only safe place to shop. So we've got a raging bull market in the e-commerce arms dealers, companies that help other businesses sell things over the web. Companies like Wix.com, long a Kramer fave, a cloud-based web design company that helps individuals and small businesses build and maintain a digital presence. Just like Shopify, just like Etsy, Wix is on fire, up more than 160% from its March lows, including a colossal run from 166 to 201 just in the last two days. See, yesterday morning, the company reported, and while the headline results for the quarter were uh, fine, Management gave us some stunning commentary on how the business is holding up during the lockdown. A great achievement in itself. Last month, Wix saw incredible triple-digit growth pretty much across the board. Everybody has to move online. It's clear these guys are picking up a ton of business. As much as I hate to chase stocks, well... I've liked this one for ages, and I think it's worth buying into the next pullback. pullback. Focus of disclosure, one of my restaurants is a satisfied client. But do not take it from me. Let's go to uh, Avishai Abrahami. He's the co-founder and CEO of Wix.com to learn more about the quarter and where it's headed. Mr. Abrahami, welcome back to Mad Money. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Well, you know, we're struggling like everybody else. But one thing that's not struggling are your customers because they need Wix in order to be able to get their business through the pandemic, don't they? Well, we've been uh, in this position where we had the opportunity to help a lot of businesses for the struggle of this uh, hard time uh, to move their business online, to find ways to innovate and, and continue to do as much as they can for, for this time, right? So it was a, a big opportunity for us, and uh, you know, uh, been very happy, been very happy to be able to help for so many businesses. Now it's important to point out. I, I, when I first got involved with you at my restaurants, you were terrific, helpful, and enabled us to be able to build a very nice looking website. But it looks like during this period of uh, uh, of the pandemic, you're doing far more than just making nice websites. Well, yeah, a lot of the commerce went up. In fact, uh, over 500% up, right? And we see that uh, across pretty much everything. Uh, we see that mostly in the traditional e-commerce. We see an online transaction for the people that are teaching uh, or uh, fitness, like yoga teachers. And, and uh, it, it just seems that so much has moved, right? We see grocery stores in Italy where you would never guess they will have a website are now fully... Uh, full e-commerce and, and doing delivery uh, when you buy from the web. So we've seen a huge shift uh, uh, into more and more commerce. 
Were you surprised that certain businesses in this country were deemed non-essential and therefore they weren't allowed to open the brick and mortar and had to scramble and go to Wix or else they would have no money coming in? Yeah, I think it was a, well, the Corona thing, right, was a big surprise. I don't think anybody really estimated that's going to come. And I wouldn't give governments the best grade on how they handle it. I would, however, give a lot of small business an A plus on their on the innovation that they came up with, right? We had things like swimming pools that were running one lane yes, one lane no, one lane yes, one lane no. So it's still going to be about uh, six feet of uh, separation between people swimming at the same time. Amazing innovation. Now, uh, there's always been a cohort of people who say, you know what, no one's going to pay for this stuff. It's free. And yet your conversion has just gotten better and better through the years. Yes, it is true. Our conversion has um, dramatically went up. We've added 3.2 million new registered users in April, which is 63% above, right, and what we used to be a year ago. And and, 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 and the cohort itself was 76% higher uh, on the total users that actually converted to be paying. So everything just went up. And I think historically we've shown that people really – don't look at the internet as a side thing. They really want the best that they can have. They really want the best website, the best commerce, the best way to reach their customers, the marketing tools. It becomes more and more important every day. And Corona just accelerated that. Now, I've been speaking way too locally, talking about America. It's a worldwide pandemic. Have you gotten calls from all over the world to, to help design sites and then to help manage? Yes, we did. We did. We actually got uh, pretty much every place on the planet just went like this, uh, starting with the first was, of course, Europe, where it was uh, immediately happened, and Korea a little bit before that, and, uh, and then, and then uh, Europe and then the United States. But it all happened so fast that it was amazing to see, right? Uh, we don't have users, we don't have so much uh, business in China, so we, I don't know what happened there, but pretty much every other country on the planet we saw the same thing. So how would you describe your relationship with Shopify? Well, in some, we're more in parallels. They're actually competitors, right? So there's some level where we do compete, but I think that's very small compared to the overall uh, uh, market. Where well, we have a lot of types of businesses running on which we have lawyers, we have fitness teachers, we have uh, uh, gyms, we have education, and we have commerce. And even in commerce, why right, people who come to me, it's more if they care about the design of the website and a lot about the easy of functionality. And you would go to Shopify most of the time and care about dropshipping and really Shopify products, much more uh, of an enterprise product. So we have some bit of competition, but not so much, mostly, mostly going in, in, in parallels. Okay, that's good. Now, last question. One of the things that you did was we wanted designers, and you, po- you pointed us, your company pointed us to great local artists because you wanted to help the local artists. Do you do that everywhere? Yes, we do. We do. We actually, well, not everywhere. And there's some countries that we still don't do that, but I think we now cover about uh, 30 countries with this kind of with this program. So it's mostly and uh, a lot of places. And this is fantastic, right? Because you know, if you live in the United States, New York, you have one style of design, some language, language works. If you live in California, it's already a bit different. In Texas, will be very different. And if you live across the ocean, right? If you're in Italy or in South America and Colombia, you need very different things. And, of course, Japan will be completely alien, right? And, and so what we do is by uh, 
allowing you to find somebody who is next to you, who is knows the Wix platform very well, and but understand the local internet, the local culture. We hope you become more successful, which well, is our goal. I think you just do it very right. Well, anyway, I want to congratulate you on an amazing quarter and an unbelievable forecast, by the way, and for all that you do for small, medium-sized business. They need your help. Thank you. Okay, that's Abishai Abrahami. It's co-founder and CEO of Wix.com. Go to their website. Uh, if you have a small business, please go to the business. You can work for free. You don't even have to pay them. They have money's back after free. It is time. It's time for the light round. What is that about? That's about right. Front court. One of those. Ladies and And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? That's over the lightning round. Let's go to Nathaniel in New York. Nathaniel. Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Uh, happy to be on. Gotta say, what's up to Dave? I know he's watching you. I'm between two stocks. I want to know where I should put my money to work. Is it Caterpillar or Raytheon Technology? I would do Raytheon because it's got a little more defense. I know aerospace could be a problem. One day Boeing will fly again. But my problem with Caterpillar is you never buy Caterpillar going into a recession. So you certainly wouldn't buy it going into a depression. How about Jamin in Texas? Jamin! Hey, Jim. Uh, I have a quick question. Uh, right now, a lot of companies are uh, work from home, and that's a new norm. Uh, what do you think about cybersecurity company, uh, and also what do you think about FireEye? I like the cybersecurity company. I don't think FireEye is high quality. I think you got to go with Fortinet. I think Fortinet is fantastic. Even Cybark uh, didn't deliver that much. we got Palo Alto next week. I expect a good quarter, but stock's up a quick 40. Let's go to Robert in Tennessee. Robert! I'm here. Jim, hello. Robert, what's happening? Well, not much. I was wondering what's your opinion on Jacobs Engineering, uh, symbol J. I know it. It's lucky it's held up much better than all the other ENC companies. It doesn't matter. I don't want to buy ENC. I don't want to buy engineering construction when we're going into a definitive slowdown. Let's go to Marcus in Florida. Marcus. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing Love well. Love shows. Watch every day. Thank you. Um, my question was about INO. I've known INO from Plymouth Meeting, which is right down the block. I used to take my bike there. My, here's my problem with INO. The stock is up like a rocket ship. I tend like to, I don't know whether they're going to be the vaccine of choice, but if I had bought it two weeks ago, I would take half right now and go buy yourself a nice cashmere split. Let's go to Adam in Virginia. Adam. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. Um, Simon Property Group. Oh, David Simon. David, 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 David. Come on the show. I know the stock yields too much. It worries me. I know you paid out $33 billion in distributions. I'd like the conference call. You didn't cut the dividend, but I'm nervous. I'm ner- call me nervous. Jerry in Arizona. Jerry. Hey, Mr. Kramer. I've got a position in Avaya Holdings. Interesting idea. Interesting idea. Uh, communications company that is actually doing quite well. That I it came back from the dead. I'd stick with it. Uh, one more. Let's go to Bobby in Florida. Bobby. Uh, yes. Hi, uh, Jim. Uh, I wanted to get your take on Euronav. Uh, it reported the great- shipping companies have come and gone. They had their move. It was a great move, and we salute them. And we go to greener pastures. And that, ladies and the conclusion of the lightning round. The Lightning Round. 
is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Monday, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. As Mike Corbett Hi. told me, Jim, it's Tuesday. Every day is Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Tuesday. The worst day of the week. think schools will open in the fall? It's, two, it's Wednesday. You think schools will open in the fall? It's Thursday. <laughs> hey, what do you think about school opening in the fall? <laughs> it all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Mark my words, as soon as we beat this virus, and we will, we're going right back to the other big collective action problem of our time, the fight to save the environment. We can't contain COVID-19 or build a, a more sustainable future unless all of us change our behavior. And as we found out over the past few months, well, it's really hard to do. Take plastic packaging. We know plastics are terrible for the environment. There's a huge patch of, of mostly plastic garbage in the Pacific Ocean that covers more than 600,000 miles. Yet we still use plastic packaging for just about everything as if nothing's wrong. You're not going to solve this problem by appealing to anyone's better nature. But what if somebody comes up with a better science that somebody is called Footprint? It's a privately held company that's on a mission to eliminate single-use plastics. They design and manufacture biodegradable, compostable, and recyclable alternative packaging products for all sorts of end markets, from food to industrial fragility. Most importantly, their products aren't just better for the environment. They're superior, which is why they have partnerships with major players like ConAgra and Beyond Meat. I've got them right here. You know I like those guys very much. Could this be the future? Let's dig deeper with Troy Swope, the co-founder and CEO of Footprint. Hear more about his company and what it's trying to accomplish. Mr. Swope, welcome to Mad Money. Oh, Jim, thank you very much for having me. And and first off, congratulations on your daughter's graduation. (laughs) Thank you so much. She graduated from Parsons today with a degree in business and fashion. You're very nice to to point that out. We're very proud. There was a good online graduation ceremony. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask you straight out a kind of a softball. Why do we need yours? Plastics are recyclable. Well, I mean, uh, Jim, I don't think it's a secret that plastics are a disaster. Uh, the world is on track to have more plastic in the ocean than fish by 2050. Um, and, and to put it into terms, there's trillions of units of plastic used every year. Uh, and only 9% of that plastic is recycled in North America. That's because there's just really no value for single-use plastics at the end of the value chain. Well, you know, I I was with uh, Mark Benioff recently from Salesforce, and we both said, you're not going to solve this problem trying to come up with a better plastic. It's got to be science that solves it. I think I'm looking right now at science. That's what you are. Yeah, absolutely. Footprint is a material science company singly focused at developing the technologies that help our customers get out of plastic. And where we've differentiated ourselves is that we develop technologies that not only compete with plastic on a performance basis, um, but compete with plastics on price. Now, you do one thing. I always uh, cut the uh, six rings at the top of a beer because I know that they kill dolphins. I heard that from my ma, and I believe they still do. Uh, You've got something that I think is better than the six rings. I'm holding it up. Tell us about it. Well, absolutely. Our focus around the six-pack ring is, one, is number we have to compete with price or the customers won't change. And two, the end of life, we're focused on a solution that would be biodegradable and marine degradable. So our technologies, number one, we got to make sure that it competes with price, which means we're going to have to develop a technology that 
helps customers like PepsiCo Beverage uh, apply them in high speed. Uh, and then they, they'll be able to introduce that globally. I think you should talk about you do not have this is look, I, I happen to love uh, B Corporation. I love everything. Uh, Patagonia. You know, I, mean, I can go that way. But I am a hard nosed business person like you are. You have McDonald's. ConAgra, Molson Coors, Beyond Meat, PepsiCo. These are real companies that want to make money and yet are willing to work with you, which tells me that they feel that the price differential is such that it makes you more appealing to a whole new generation that is sick of plastic. Well, absolutely. I, I think first and foremost, when you mention those brands, we are, are super proud of, of who we support and our customers. And you say this all the time. This is an ethos. And, right. and guys like Sean Connolly at ConAgra know that it's an ethos. They know they need to transform, uh, it's starting with their frozen food section. Uh, it's, we believe it's Footprint. They have, that Footprint has to develop the technologies that help these companies change. Right In the past, there hasn't been technologies that have worked or competed on price. Uh, we're the difference. We, we are the company that will provide technologies that are scalable. We're shipping hundreds of millions of units this year, and we'll be shipping billions of units next year. Now, people should know uh, that your background is not from, uh, as much as I love the Sierra Club, and I've been a sport, it's not from that route. Your background is from trying to solve plastic problems at Intel. Yeah, I like to say, Jim, I'm, I'm an accidental environmentalist. Uh, you know, I ran a, a materials team at Intel, and our focus was in, in around 2000 uh, timeframe, uh, 2004, was focused on reducing cost. Uh, in, in the way of reducing cost, we kept falling on technologies that uh, were not only better for Intel from a cost structure standpoint, but were better for the environment. Uh, and it ultimately gave us the idea and the concept to a lot of the engineers and scientists from Intel that have come with us uh, to go develop technology and tackle this problem, which is a massive market. And it was a huge problem and a challenge. And that's, you know, if you've got an Intel background, we love the challenge. All right, so, Troy, I am a little bit confused. Uh, Jim Fitterling is a terrific guy, runs Dow. I'm sure you come across him. Uh, David Taylor runs Proctor. These guys are spending billions trying to figure out how to make, make it so plastic's better. Why don't they spend billions and buy Footprint? You know, Jim, I, I ask myself that question all the, all the time. But the, the reality is, is, you know, why did Blockbuster not start Netflix? You know, I believe that they're so beholden to their current assets. And, you know, what we hear all the time is this recyclable, right? And right. the reality is we should stop asking if is it recyclable. We should be asking, does it get recycled? Yes. Uh, and it's huge difference. You know, I cannot wait. My daughter that you saw is, uh, was making sustainable swimsuit suit. Uh, models when she was at Parson, and she wanted to make them out of the plastics that's in the, that's in the Pacific. It's my kids that made me be like this. You're lucky. You came at it from the science way. I came at it because I got my head beaten in. Uh, but whatever. I think you're the answer, my friend. I am so glad that Brian Krasanich, who used to run Intel, told me about you. And you got to come back again, all right? Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Jim. It's not a hobby. It's not a dream. It's an ethos. That's Troy Swope, CEO of Footprint. Remember, the hard-nosed business people, these are the guys from ConAgra. McDonald's? I mean, come on. They want to make money. PepsiCo? They want to do good things with the environment, too. Stick with Kramer. Coming up tonight, right after this on Markets in Turmoil, 
a new battle breaking out over what passengers want and what airlines are willing to give when it comes to safer seating. Then food fight, that of grocers union owned Kroger's ending its hero bonuses for frontline store works already. And the path forward, your business, four individual business owners, their struggles and how they're surviving. Next week, a lot of big retailers report. Okay, it's Walmart that's going to win. All right. Uh, Target's going to place and Home Depot's going to show. And then everybody else, maybe Lowe's comes in fourth. But be careful with the non-essential retailers. They're all going to pop. But then if you own them, may I suggest that you sell the pop. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you Monday. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.